In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Dear saints, after Jesus' death and resurrection, there were many eyewitnesses who finally believed that Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament. And those who believe this are called Christians. Many Jews were converted by the gospel and then they trusted in Jesus for salvation. But there were many who didn't believe this. The scribes, the Pharisees, and the Jews, they rejected this. They scoffed at Jesus' word and they rejected him. And they went on believing what they had always believed. And what they believed was this, that the Old Testament was not fulfilled in Jesus. Rather, they are still waiting for it to be fulfilled. The Jews aren't waiting for another Messiah to come and die on a cross for them. They reject that entirely. They reject Jesus because they're waiting for a Messiah who will lead their nation to prosperity. That's what they're waiting for. The Jews believe that the Old Testament prophecies are about Jerusalem, that Israel would become a great nation and physically rule over the entire world. They think that Jerusalem will rise up invincible, unconquerable, and remain forever. They think that what the Bible says about the kingdom of God and victory over this world are things that are about them, about their bloodline, about their DNA, their nation, their people. They think that the Old Testament promises uh, that they will have political success and the prosperity of Jerusalem, of Israel. But the truth is, is that God never promised this. The years after Jesus' death and resurrection, a few of the armies, uh, surrounding armies, attacked Jerusalem in several battles, and the Jews defeated them. Later on, Nero sent a man by the name of Jesus Florus to Jerusalem. And when the Jews saw how arrogant and greedy he was, they got very upset. They revolted against him. They killed about 5,000 of his own men. And because of these victories, they became even more convinced that they were invincible and they were about to inherit the earth. They became proud. When Nero heard about this, the Caesar uh, at the time, when he heard of this, he was furious. So he sent another man named Flavius Vespasian and his son Titus, who later became the Roman emperor. While these Romans were going to Jerusalem, uh, they were going back for vengeance. At the same time, there was a great number of Jews from around the world going to Jerusalem to observe the Passover. So they're coming from every nation. They're coming back to Jerusalem uh, for this event. And there were thousands upon thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of Jews here. Well, Titus... The Roman soldier, he saw an opportunity and he wanted to attack while all the Jews were there in Jerusalem. But the problem was that Jerusalem is very difficult to attack. It's on an elevated piece of land and it's surrounded by valleys. So they would constantly have the high ground and any enemy would have to go into the valley and work their way up. So it was very, very difficult to take uh, uh, to take control of. So Titus came up with a plan. Three days before the Passover, in April of 70 AD, Titus gathered all of his soldiers, his men, his equipment, and his weapons, and they started to build a wall around Jerusalem, around the city. 
a blockade. He realized he couldn't get into Jerusalem, so he planned to not let anyone get out of Jerusalem. The strategy was to lock them in Jerusalem, to cut them off from every outside resource and just starve them to death. By the time the Jews realized what the Romans were doing, they tried to stop them, but it was too late. They couldn't. The walls were up. The Jews were facing a number of factions and divisions among themselves. There were a lot of uh, sects and different uh, divisions and differences among the Jews, so they couldn't even unite together with the plan. And the Jews even started fighting against one another, and some even killed one another at this time. And what Titus and the Roman soldiers did was they simply waited while Jerusalem's resources slowly ran out over the next couple of months. And people were dying of hunger. Josephus, he's a secular historian. Some of you may know him as a secular Jewish historian. He wrote an historical account about what was happening inside. And in fact, you could look it up online or buy a book that has it and you can read it. It's awful. Uh, just a few excerpts here. The, the dearest friends, he writes, fell to fighting and stabbing one another over food, snatching from each other the most miserable crumb of bread, if you can imagine this. He also later writes that children stole bread from their parents and that brothers and sisters fought against one another and assaulted each other that a handful of grain was traded for pounds of gold. Some were so hungry that they ate their belts and sandals and any kind of leather they could find. And when that ran out, some began to eat cow dung, the refuse of animals. And in the worst of it, this is, uh, you can read this in Josephus, in the worst of it, some even resorted to cannibalism and ate their own children. It is reported that there were heaps of corpses mounted higher than the altar and that a stream of blood flowed down the temple steps. After months of this, it's about four months that this is going on and it's just uh, chaos. Titus grew impatient and he just set fire to the city. He lit it on fire and the fire got out of control But the temple was then completely destroyed and not one stone was left on top of another. Now we learn of this event, the destruction of Jerusalem from history. Interestingly enough, this event is not in the Bible. It's not recorded in the scriptures, this event. But do you know what is? Jesus' prophecy of this event. 37 years before this happened, before Jerusalem was destroyed, Jesus said it would happen. His prophecy was written down in the Gospels around 40 AD, 40 to 50 AD. This means that his words were in writing about this event, were in writing for 20 to 30 years before the event took place. And Jesus not only prophesied that it would happen, but he also prophesied how it would happen. And this is remarkable. In the year 33 AD, five days before his crucifixion, Jesus goes to Jerusalem one last time, and the gospel tells us what he said. And this is Luke 19, which you heard. 
The gospel lesson says, as Jesus drew near, he saw the city, Jerusalem, and he wept over it. The word there in Greek is not just crying like a tear down his eye. He is sobbing, saying, would that you, even you had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you. Listen closely. The days will come upon you, Jesus says, when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children with you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. As word for word, what Jesus said and predicted. Jesus warned the Jews about the destruction of Jerusalem. Some of them, in fact, some of the Jews did what? They believed him. They heard his words and they fled Jerusalem. They survived the destruction of Jerusalem because they heard Jesus' word. They fled to the hills like he told them to do 37 years before it happened. And they taught this to their children and their children's children. The ones who fled and survived Those are Christians. But the Jews who rejected Jesus and remained in the city scoffed at Jesus' word, said this would never happen. We have success. We have success promised from God. This temple will be here forever. Our people will will be here forever. They rejected his words and they died a miserable death. So many people ask, how could this happen? I thought the Jews were God's chosen people. And the answer is yes, the Jews were God's chosen people. But the question we have to ask is this, what were they chosen for? Some say God choosing the Jews means that he has a special plan of salvation for them apart from faith in Jesus. That even in the midst of their rejection of Jesus, God will somehow save them. But that's not true. Because scripture plainly says, In Acts chapter 4, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And this is the name of Jesus. Again, John 14, uh, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So no, God does not have a special plan of salvation for the Jews apart from Jesus. He does not have a special plan of salvation for anyone apart from Jesus. In fact, salvation is only through Jesus. This is the point. Faith in Christ is uh, how we are saved. So then the question is, what were the Jews chosen for then? In Deuteronomy 7, 6, when God says he has chosen Israel, he's saying that he has chosen them for a specific purpose. He has chosen Israel, God chose the Israelites, to be the lineage from which the world's Messiah, Jesus Christ, would be born. That is why he chose them. That was the purpose. By grace, God formed the nation of Israel. He raised them up for this purpose, and he chose them. He set them apart from all the world to accomplish this one thing so that the promise that God made to Adam and the promise God made to Eve, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, that a descendant of theirs would save them from sin and death would be fulfilled through this line of people, through this lineage. That was the promise. 
God would make himself the savior of the world to come from this people. And this is a great honor. This is remarkable that God chose to come to the world through this lineage of the Jews. That's what God chose them for. But what God chose them for is now accomplished. It has been fulfilled. Christ was born 2,000 years ago. The prophecy was fulfilled. The word of God was made flesh and became man and dwelt among us. So we ask the question again, are the Jews still God's chosen people today? And the answer is no, they are not. Because God has already fulfilled his purpose in choosing them. This is what's so heartbreaking, that even though God came from Israel, came from these people that he set apart and chose, the people that he came from rejected him. They rejected, they, they, they did not choose him. They chose themselves or the world. John 1 says this, God was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own it is his, his, the Jews, his own people. And his own people received him not. And this is why Jesus is weeping and sobbing in the gospel lesson today. He knew, that not only, uh, he knew not only that so many of his own people would be temporally destroyed in such a miserable way, but worse, that they would be eternally destroyed because they did not know the day of their visitation, because they rejected his grace and mercy and forgiveness. When he preached that you are not saved by your works, you're not saved by what you do, but by my atoning sacrifice on the cross, and they scoffed at it. This is why he's weeping. God visited them in the flesh, and they didn't know the time of their visitation. The Prince of Peace, foretold by the prophets, stood among them, and they didn't know the things that make for peace. Instead, they scoffed at Jesus' lowly form, and they said, that... The way you look, the way you act, the way you speak, what you do, the way you suffer and hunger and weep. That is not my savior. That is not a God who would save me. So they spit on his face because he wasn't the savior they were looking for. They didn't want a humble savior who would rescue them from their sins against God. They wanted a glorious political savior who would exalt their nation and make them successful in this world. That's what they wanted. I, I want to take a moment to address a, per, a pervasive idea that's made its way into nearly every American evangelical church. <clears throat> and it's a Christianized version of these Jewish opinions. It's the false teaching that God has a special covenant with the Jews, that is that God will establish in the future a political kingdom in the nation of Israel with Jerusalem being the capital of this new kingdom. And this teaching says that the temple will then be rebuilt and that Jesus will come back and reign physically and politically on the earth for 1,000 years. A lot of Christians believe this and even have voted certain leaders into office to make certain decisions on foreign policy and war because of this. They even say that when Israel became a nation in 1948, that this was the beginning of the fulfillment of biblical prophecy, that the end was coming soon. So Christians are now told that it is their duty to support Israel and to help build the temple back in Jerusalem, which will allow Jesus 
to come back and rule over the world. And this is wrong. This is not what the Bible says. We are not waiting for some future political kingdom like the Jews. Jesus never promised that. Our hope for the future is not in a place, but it is in a person, in Christ. Jesus himself said, my kingdom is not of this world. The kingdom of God is wherever his word is preached and people believe it. That that is his dear church. And we're not waiting for a temple. Jesus is the reason the temple was built in the first place. All of the sacrifices of the Old Testament pointed to Jesus, the sacrifice that would come and take away the sins of the world. Hebrews 10 says, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Again, Hebrews says, day after day, every priest stands to minister and to offer again and again the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when this priest, Christ himself, offered for all time a single sacrifice of sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And this means that forgiveness is not found in the blood of goats and bulls, but in the blood of Jesus. Even more, to be sons of Abraham means not simply to have Abraham's blood or DNA in your body. To be a son of Abraham means to have faith in the God who spilled his blood for you. Galatians 3 says it this way. This is Paul. He says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. So yes, the Jews may have Abraham's blood in their veins, but we have Abraham's faith in our hearts. We are the children of Abraham because we believe in the same God that Abraham had. And the chosen people of God are not defined by a geographical territory. That means that Israel is not God's chosen nation. The United States of America is not God's chosen nation. Rather, all who believe in Christ are the chosen nation of God. This is what 1 Peter 2 says so clearly. It says to Christians, You are a chosen race a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people for his own possessions that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received the mercy. So the chosen people of God are those who have been baptized into the holy name of God, who repent of their sins and trust in Christ for salvation. The reason I'm telling you all of this is first because I don't want you to be carried away by some false doctrine and to be misled. And the second reason is because I don't want you to make the same mistake in your life that Jerusalem made in their own. God visited Jerusalem and he called them to repentance and faith. And they didn't listen. They heard his word and they walked the other way. They continued in their sin and their unbelief. And now the things that make for peace are hidden from their eyes. They're blinded with a vain and empty hope, waiting for a political Messiah, for a prosperous nation that will never come. 
Israel didn't know the day of their visitation, and now it is too late for them. It is too late for those who were destroyed. But it is not too late for you. For those who have ears and hear these words, God is visiting you right now in his holy word with grace and mercy. Don't do what Israel did. Don't think that if you have a certain blood or if you live in a certain place or if you behave in a certain way or if you're simply part of a certain family that by default you will be saved. Don't think that you're saved by your works. You won't be saved by your works. You won't be saved because your family believes or your spouse believes or your parents believe. You are saved only if you believe. You won't be saved if you're in a church surrounded with a bunch of people who repent of their sins. You will only be saved if you repent of your sins. If God destroyed Jerusalem for their unbelief and their rejection of him, their impenitence, what will he do to us for ours? We have warning upon warning, teaching upon teaching, more than anyone else in history has ever had. To close your eyes to what he says now is foolish beyond measure. So open your eyes and repent of your own sins and see that God visits you right now with his word and grace and forgiveness. Today is the day of salvation, so you repent now because you may not get tomorrow. You ought to believe and know that you need every single thing Jesus came to give you. You indeed need every drop of blood, every drop of sweat, every tear that came from his eyes. All of those things, his final breath, that is what you needed. And that is the thing that makes for peace. And rejoice that Jesus came from Israel to be your savior the savior of all who believe in him. Rejoice that all who believe in him are God's chosen people, chosen in Christ from before the foundation of the world. He has given himself to be the sacrifice that could never be found in the temple. He has redeemed you with his precious blood and open your eyes and see that it is Jesus and Jesus alone who makes for peace between you and the father forever. Amen. The peace which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.